have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your hosts, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. Hello, everybody. This is Gabby from Grinding True Crime. I want to let you guys know today I am introducing because our narrator for today is going to be Maddie Matt. And welcoming you, our other host of the show, Todd Fox. Today, Maddie Matt is going to give us a story, so let me just get started by letting you know where you guys could find us. Look for us on Facebook and IG on our page, Grinding True Crime Podcast, and you can listen to us on all of the podcast uh, streams, Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora. If you are out of the U.S., you can look for us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. And as usual, we want to ask you guys, listener discretion is advised because a lot of our stories are pretty graphic when it comes to the crime. So now I'm going to let you listen to Maddie Matt with his story for today. Maddie Matt, go for it. Thank you very much. I'm in the rare seat. I normally don't narrate. I usually be the one that sits back and listen. But today I got a very interesting story. So this one is about Mr. Albert Fish. And uh, like Gabby said in the beginning, listener discretion is advised because this one is very graphic and as well as involving children. So listener's discretion is advised. No viewer discretion. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So let's get into it. We're going to get into the early life of Mr. Albert Fish. Albert Fish was born in Washington, D.C. on May 19, 1870. So we're going way back. Yes, sir. He was born to Mr. Randall Fish and Ellen Howe. Fish's father was an American English ancestry, and his mother was a Scottish American. Now, this is weird because I've never seen this before. His dad was 43 years older than his mother. Wow. Did you guys hear what I just said? 43 years older than his mom. Whew. Wait, 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 wait. Then his mom? Then the mother of Albert. Yeah, his wife was, he was 43 years older than his wife. Whoa. Yeah. So Albert's dad was 75 years old at the time of giving birth. When he was born, I'm sorry. No, he wasn't giving birth, but when he was born, he was 75 years old. So you do the math. You know, you know, that's pretty impressive for what, eight? you said 1870-something? This was in 1870. Albert was born in 1870. For a guy to be alive at 75 in 1870, that's an accomplishment in itself. And then he's, exactly. then he's having a the kid? Life... <laughs> wow. <laughs> the lifespan back then, Todd, what you talking about? What, maybe 45, 50? Yeah, well, yeah, you start uh, getting into some diseases early on if you get that far. Mm-hmm. Or if you get shot, run over. I mean, people, mm-hmm. people died all the time. Why is it that men can make babies at such an old age? Because we're men. <laughs> <laughs> For women, it's like, if you're 35, girl, you're too old. Yeah, your clock's ticking. It's just about over. Clock. 
you know, it, it men that, are that men oven's are, ready to that ready to come out the oven. Exactly, men are like, yeah, we can still get it up. <laughs> Stop it, Doc. Just say it. Um, now Albert was the youngest of three living siblings. Uh, he had a sibling named Walter, Annie, and Edwin. However, he was, uh, I'm sorry, he was nicknamed Ham and Eggs. What? Ham and Eggs? That was his nickname. Albert wanted to be nicknamed Ham and Eggs. Is that what he liked for breakfast? I don't know. It's just something he always wanted his siblings to call him. Okay. Ham and Eggs. Yeah. <laughs> and most of his childhood was spent in the orphanage. So here we are again with another child who spent most of his childhood without his family and spent it in an orphanage. That's sad. Did it say why he was, uh, or, or why was he uh, put in an orphanage? We're going to get into that. Okay. Sorry. The main reason why is because his family had a history of mental illness. Oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. His uncle suffered from mania. One of his brothers was confined in a state mental hospital, and his sister Annie was diagnosed with mental affliction. Jeez. Three other relatives were diagnosed with mental illnesses, and his own mother had a, a raw and vision hallucination. So that's the main reason why he spent it at the orphanage. His family was very unstable. On both sides. On both sides. Jeez. Yeah. His father, Randall, was a river boat captain. And and by the 1870, he was a fertilizer man. He worked at a fertilizer manufacturer. However, in 1875, which was five years after Albert was born, his father died of a heart attack. So, I mean, it was it was bound to happen. You know, he's 75 years old. It was, he, chances are he ain't going to see his kid yeah, after yeah. high school. So, you wouldn't even think he'd survive making the baby. To exactly. Kidding. So. Unfortunately, at five years old, he lost his father. However, um, the records show that his father died later in the years. It was a weird mix-up within his uh, his father's death, but it clearly shows that he died in 1875. There was a mix-up in the months, but it, it, it tells that he died in eight, uh, 1875. Okay. Now, Fisher's mother put his son in St. John's Orphanage in Washington, where he was frequently abused. Oh, no. This is, this is where all the stuff starts happening. Okay. In, in 1875. Fish began to enjoy the physical pain that the beatings brought to him at the orphanage. He was enjoying it? He started to enjoy it at a young age. So he was, he was getting beat by, by who? Uh, the people in the orphanage. Uh, even the the boys, the people who worked there, he just was, it was just an unstable place. Jeez. Of the time at the orphanage, Albert remarked, I was there till I was nearly nine. And that's where I got started wrong. We were mercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things that they should not have done. So from the age of five to nine right now, He's been in the orphanage and probably going through a lot of things and seeing a lot of things that no young boy or young kid should see. You know, you know, we've gone over this before in other stories, and Gabby and I have talked about it uh, too. Where you 
you have these situations where these serial killers or slash rapists, they get abused at an early age. And it's usually like their mm-hmm. first sexual experience. And that just carries on with them as something that becomes, that is taboo or, you know, you know, uh, what is it called? Undescribably wrong. But to them, it's, it's something new. It's, it's, it's something that I guess is normal to them and they carry it on. Mm-hmm. They inflict it mm-hmm. on others. Yeah. It I agree. becomes like whatever to them. Yeah. They become numb to normality. You know, it, that's their normal it, in a sense. Jeez, that's crazy. And, and it's sad. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to move forward one year. The year is 1880. He's 10 years old by now. And his mother was finally able to get him out of the orphanage because she, she finally had a government job and was able to take care of him. Two years have passed. It's 1882, and by the age of 12, Albert became an, began a homosexual relationship with a telegraph boy. What? The youth, yeah. So, we can kind of tell what was going on in that orphanage. Yeah, he kind of took what he learned from the other boys. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is where the story gets a little interesting and a little disturbing. Yeah. The boy introduced Albert to a lot of practices such as urolagnia, which is the drinking of urine, and coprophagia, which is the eating of feces. What? Yeah. Doesn't that kill people? It didn't kill him. Oh. So they started practicing that habit. That's disgusting. Okay. See, that's not sexual. They, that, that's, there's nothing sexual with that. I mean, some people can turn that into something sexual, but to me, that's just that's just eating human excrement. That's all you're doing. Yeah, right? that's that's nasty. I, I, I don't, I, I don't see anything sexual. I, I I've heard of people getting something of getting peed on. They call it the golden shower. Yeah, some yeah. people do get some sexual pleasure out of that. I still think that's nasty, but the. Eating of feces, that's just gross. Yeah, it's nasty. Wow. Oh, I can't imagine how that's good. Ew. Yeah. I wasn't expecting so this is that. At the age, yeah, this is at the age of 12. Okay. And it gets it's even more. So I would begin visiting public bathrooms where he could watch other boys undress and spent a great portion of his weekends on these visits. So instead of going to play ball or going to play, you know, catch, with your friends, he decided to go to the bathrooms, public restrooms, and watch little boys. So he could have been riding a bike, learning how to ride a horse back then, obviously. Could have been taking a trolley, all the things you do in a, as a kid back then. He could have been selling newspapers, like, on the corner, making some money, but he'd rather watch other kids his age or older taking dumps? Yeah. Pretty much. He got the, he, he already was twisted in his mind at a young age so Guys, yeah he should have been locked up right then and there dude uh, but you know what he's he's 12 that's still you know i mean he's messed up you can see he's messed up but he's messed up i i, I would at, at least already though you gotta have some kind of sense of right and wrong yeah you got a sense of right and wrong but at the same time you're 12 you know you can you can be molded back into Reality, in a sense, you're a kid. Hmm. 
I don't know. But there's more. Okay. So throughout his life, he would write obscene letters to women whose names he required from classified advertising and mortuary agencies. So he's, as I continue in the story, you're going to see, I guess it coincides with some of the letters that he would write. And you'll see who he will be writing to. So as we continue, the year is 1890. By now, Mr. Albert is 20 years old and he left Washington and went to New York City. Mm. So up to this time, his life has continued the same way. So up to this time, his life has continued. He's 20 years old now. He's an adult. And like I said, he moved from Washington. He went to New York City. And what do you think he took as an occupation? Mm, I'd have to say salesman. Okay. Acting. Acting. In a sense, Todd was right. He was a salesman. Oh. But not what you think. He sold his body. He became a prostitute. Oh, no way. Yeah. He became a male prostitute. And he also began raping young boys. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we clearly see he has a homosexuality fetish and he's clearly homosexual. Yeah. I mean, if he's homosexual it's, is one thing, but if he's raping kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like a whole different level. Yeah. Yeah. Now, his mother tried to correct his behavior and correct his homosexuality by arranging a marriage with a woman whose name is Anna Mary Hoffman. Yeah, because that'll work. Check this out, though. She was nine years younger than him. And you say he's 20 at this time? 20. So she's 11. Yes. Oh, that's wrong. That's super wrong. They had six children, Albert, Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry Fish. Was a child? We don't know how old she was when she had kids. All it knows is that she was nine years younger than younger. Oh, that's disgusting. Now, mind you, this is 1990. This is 1898. So he's 29. So she's 20. Oh, at this point. Okay. Yeah, at this point. It was 19. Oh, she wasn't a little girl. She wasn't a little girl. Oh, I thought you meant when he was. No, no, no. This was 1898. That was it, nine years later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. She was. I didn't didn't hear that part or you left it out because I was like, dude, I'm doing the math. I'm like, dude. I did. Okay. Did I, leave, did I leave that part out? You did, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, we're like, yeah, I'm sorry. I did leave that part. Now I'm thinking, I'm sorry. It was okay. 1898. That's a so little more taller. Yeah, nine years later. Yeah, okay. sorry. I did leave that out. Now, in 1988, I mean, 1898, I'm sorry, Fish worked as a house painter. However, he still continued molesting little boys and girls as well. Oh, so now he moved to boat. Now he moved to boat. Most of the boys that he would molest were six years and younger. Come on, man. He later recounted an incident in which he, in which a male lover took him into a wax room where Albert was fascinated by a bisection of a penis. A what? Bisection of a penis. You'll, under, you'll see. You'll see. Once I continue. Oh, it sounds bad. 
I'm crossing my legs as we speak, just in case. <laughs> I know there's some slicing and dicing coming up here. Yeah, there you go, Todd. Oh. He became obsessed with sexual mutilation. Oh, jeez. And oh, never mind. Go on. Yeah. In 1903, he was arrested for grand larceny, convicted, and incarcerated in Sing Sing. That's, now, that's a notorious prison, by the way, in New York. You, yeah, you know about that, right? Yep, yep. Yes, sir. Now the year is 1910. Now he's living in Delaware. Okay. Albert met a 19-year-old man named Thomas Keaton. Keaton, I'm sorry, he took Keaton to where he was staying, and the two began a sodomistic relationship. I know I pronounced it wrong, but basically... Sodomizing. Sodomizing. Yeah. Whipping each other, pain, pleasure. It was unclear whether Fish forced Keaton to do these things. However, Albert confessed that this gentleman had a mental disability. So he targeted somebody who was basically special needs. Oh, no. Mm. Going toward minors was already bad enough. And then somebody who's special needs, just like, really? We're going to see why. We're going to see why later in the story. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Now, 10 days later, Albert took Keaton to an old farmhouse where he began to torture Keaton. The torture took place over how many weeks, do you guys think? Weeks. Weeks? Mm-hmm. How many weeks? Uh... I'd say two. Okay. I'm going to say six. Todd hit it right on the button. Two weeks of torture. Two weeks. Where are the parents of this person? He's 19 years old. Back then. Yeah, but he's special needs. Back then, I guess, you know, once you hit 18, you know, you're on your own. But usually didn't But where's your family? Yeah, because usually back then they would look at special needs people. Even if you didn't have family, they just lock you up. They put you in an insane asylum. So if he's special he needs... Probably, what? I don't know. He probably found them somewhere. I don't know. But he got them. Oh, jeez. Now, this torture took took place for over two weeks. And eventually, Albert tied up Keaton. And what do you think he did next? Probably killed him. Mm. What's he think? After he's done torturing him? Yeah. I'm going to say he mutilated him. <sighs> yeah. Oh. He did. I would have rather been killed after what Albert did. Oh, no. He tied him up and cut off half of his penis. Oh. Albert said he would never forget the scream or the look Keaton gave him. And originally, Albert intended to kill Keaton. However, well, actually, he wanted to kill Keaton, cut up his body, and take it home. But he feared that the hot weather would draw attention to him. So what do you think he did instead? He let him live? Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think? Mm-mm. He buried him. He buried him alive? Yeah. Nope. He poured peroxide over his open wound 
wrapped it in a Vaseline-covered handy ha- handkerchief, and left him $10 and kissed him goodbye. <gasps> what? He took the first train that he could to go back home and never heard of him, saw him, or thought of him again. Wow. So he just left him there. Just left him there, bleeding, with a half with half his penis cut off. Did he at least leave the tip? Well, he gave him ten dollars. I mean, the real tip, though. I know. I I, I know. <laughs> okay. I'm... No, I, I did. It didn't say. It didn't say. Oh man, because he doesn't know what happened to him, huh? And it's not like the nope. guy went on social media because there was no social media back then. Like, hey, there was no social media. He wanted to get he. He basically just cleared his mind. Said, "Oh well, here you go. I'm sorry for what I did. Here's ten dollars. Clean up." Yeah, with ten dollars, clean up. I don't know how you do that. I just don't know how you do that. That's that's torture right there. Yeah. That's... Now seven years has passed. Albert's wife eventually left him for a handyman. Of course. Of course. And basically left him with everything. So now Albert is a single parent. He was eventually arrested. So she left the kids? She left him the kids. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's definitely That different. I don't Yeah. So, after he was arrested, it doesn't say what he was arrested for. More likely, he was arrested for the crime he committed. But he did tell in the newspaper, in the local news, that his wife left him and took every possession the family owned. So he was left with nothing. Except for the kids. He began to have hallucinations. He once wrapped himself in the carpet saying that he was following the instruction of the Apostle John. So here's those mental illnesses coming in to play. And he's still in charge of all his kids? So far. Whoa. Well, I think they eventually took him. It doesn't say, but they have to have to, especially after he was arrested. Oh, back in those days, though, do they really? <laughs> well, it didn't say. It was about the time Albert, this was about the time Albert began to indulge in self-harm. He would embed needles into his groin and his abdomen. Ouch. X-rays revealed that Albert had, how many How many needles do you think he had lodged in his body after he got X-rayed? Uh, does just in it, wait, just in his pelvic area alone. Uh, maybe a dozen or two dozen, something like that. Okay. I would say like thirty. Y'all both were pretty much close. He had twenty-nine needles lodged into his pelvic region. Dang, she almost got it. Twenty-nine. Yeah. <laughs> pelvic. And there's also a picture on here that shows, and it's 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 nasty. It's nasty. No way. There's a picture if you can see right there. This was his x-ray of his pelvis. It's nasty. And that's sexual gratification by putting... That the was his sexual gratification. How long but wait. You, how long are the oh, needles? Oh, go ahead. Go. Does it say? Say that one more time. How long are the needles? It didn't say, but it must have been they long enough. To, it must be long enough to penetrate. And pretty deep, huh? Ugh. Pretty long, Pretty large and deep. But wait, there's more. He would also hit himself repeatedly with a nail-studded paddle. He would insert wool doused with lighter fluid into his anus and set it on fire. 
Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me repeat that. What? He would repeatedly hit himself with a nail-studded paddle and insert wool doused with lighter fluid into his butt and light it up. Uh, look, two things. You can either cause a major explosion if you were to pass gas, and and two, doesn't Taco Bell already do that to you anyway? I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, they must not have had Taco Bell back then. Maybe he, he took the cake. Maybe he Literally. was the creator of Taco Bell. Who knows? Maybe he's like, oh. hey, I, hey, man. There's certain areas on your body you should just not touch or light on fire. That's what. That's and that's a serious colon cleanse right there. That's all I'm saying. Oh, dude. What? Yeah. Now he's trying to burn himself from the inside he, out. He enjoyed pain. He enjoyed self pain. Now Albert was never thought to have physically attacked or abused his children. He did encourage them and their friends to paddle his butt off, though, with the same oh, nail-studded paddle he used to abuse himself. Oh, God. Yeah. His friends? His friends. They would do that to him? His, his kids' friends. His kids' friends. Oh, wow. He, he would encourage the, his kids and their friends to paddle his butt. So little... The same, so but, little Albert Jr. comes over and says, Hey, Chris, check this out. I can hit my dad with this nail-studded paddle. Want to try? Basically, he's like, no, 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 I don't want to try. No, no, for real, he wants you to. I'm like, awkward. <laughs> yep, <laughs> nasty dude. And yep. no, nobody reports this. They're all, oh, that's just fish. And his last name is Fish. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, no one reports that, and is like, well, that's that's just fish. You know, that's just him doing his thing. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? You know what? I don't. I don't know. See, so he still has his kids. He still has his kids. Hey, he still has his kids. But, like you said, it was never reported that he raped them or abused them, but he did have them abuse him. That is and his friends. But wait, there's more. Oh, oh no. He soon developed a growing obsession with what? What do you think he's obsessed with now? He, he begins a developing obsession of what? Uh, let's see. You covered the penis decapitation you did the anus on fire uh let's just say he goes into foot fetishes i don't know mm. knives knives even worse he developed an obsession with cannibalism oh he would often eating i'll tell you oh. he will often prepare eating? himself a dinner <laughs> consisting of solely raw meat and sometimes serving it to his children so there's the abuse to the kids. Raw meat from where? Animals. So so he's getting his cannibal fix from cutting up an animal, not cooking it and giving it to his kids. Not cooking it, not eating it, not nothing. Just cuddling it and eating it. Damn. Wow. Now let's move on to about nineteen ninety. Albert had stabbed an intellectually disabled boy. Here he goes again with the mental. Um, in the uh, Washington, D.C. He's back in Washington again. Okay. He said he chose people who were either mentally handicapped 
or get this, African American. Oh wow. Oh, another Dahmer. Well, his reasoning his reasoning makes sense when I read it. It, it does make sense, especially for back in that time. He basically said he assumed these people would not be missed when killed. <sighs> That's sad. It's sad. It makes sense, though, in that time. Unfortunately, what? he was right in that time. Yeah, he was right. You know, Albert would later claim to have occasionally paid boys to lure other children for him. Albert tortured, mutilated, and murdered young children with his implement of hell which was a meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and a small handsaw. Oh, come on. So now he's starting to go even further and beyond in his obsession. We're going to get into detail of one of his murders. The year is 1924, July 11th. Albert found an eight-year-old girl named Patrice Kill playing alone on her parents' farm on Staten Island, New York. He offered her money to come and help look for rhubarb, which is a vegetation. She was about to leave the farm when her mother chased Albert away. Albert left, but returned later to the kills, the kills barn where he tried to sleep, but was discovered by Beatrice's father and forced to leave. Three days later, Albert killed Francis McDowell, also on Staten Island. <coughs> During 1924, the 54-year-old Albert, suffering from psychosis, felt that God was commanding him to torture and sexually mutilate children. And how old are these kids? Well, Francis McDowell wasn't uh, wasn't a kid. I believe that was the father of uh, Beatrice. Oh, he came. She was eight years old. Oh, he came back and killed the father. I believe so. Wow. Now, shortly before his abduction, he abducted uh, Grace Budd, a young girl. Shortly before that, Albert attempted to test his implement of hell on a child he had been molesting named Cyril Quinn. Quinn and his friend were playing box ball on a sidewalk where Albert asked them, had they eaten lunch? When they said they had not, he invited them into his apartment for sandwiches. Now, the two, while the two boys were wrestling on Fish's bed, they dislodged his mattresses underneath, and underneath with a knife, a small handsaw, and a meat cleaver. That's when they became frightened and ran out of the apartment. So he's already got some interesting stories already involving kids. He hasn't these stories. He hasn't killed any of the kids yet. He did murder Francis McDowell, but he's definitely getting more into his fetishes. Damn. Yeah, this guy is sick. He's disgusting. February 6, 1930, Albert remarried in New York to Estella Wilcox, but divorced after only one week. (laughs) Whoa. She's like, this marriage is going pretty good, but I just found out you like small children and men, so I'm kind of out. <laughs> is that what happened? I don't know what happened. <laughs> In one week of marriage, they were gone. Jeez, that's fast. 
Now, Albert was arrested in 1930 of May, which was, what, four months after he was married. He was arrested for writing obscene letters to women um, following an advertisement ad for a maid. Well, he was trying to hire, he was writing letters to women who were looking for jobs as maids, and he would write obscene letters. So the cops arrested him for that. And following his arrest in 1931, he was sent to a psychiatric, psychiatric hospital for observation. It took that long for that? It took that, that long. He's slipping through the cracks. Mm-hmm. The year is 1928. We're going to go to the case of a murder of Grace Budd. On May 25th, 1928, Fish Albert saw a classified advertisement at in the Sunday edition of the New York World that read, Young Man 18 Wishes Position and Country. Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street. On May 25th, Albert then, 58 years old, visited the Bud's family in Manhattan under the pretense, pretense of hiring Edward. He later confessed that he had planned to tie up Edward, mutilate him, and leave him to bleed to death. Albert introduced himself as Frank Howard, a farmer from Farmer Farmingdale, New York. He promised to hire Bud and his friend Willie and he said that he would send them in a few days. Albert never showed up, but he did send a telegraph to the Bud family apologizing and set a later date. Wow. When Albert returned, he met Edward's younger sister, Grace Bud. He mm. apparently changed his intended victim from Edward to Grace and quickly made up a story about having to attend his niece's birthday, his birth his niece's birthday party. He convinced the parents, Dahlia and Albert Budd, to let Grace accompany him to that party that evening. Wow. Wow, dude. You know what's going to happen next. Oh, I can't even imagine. Grace had a younger sister named Beatrice. She had two older brothers, Edward and George, and a younger brother named Albert Budd II. That day... Grace left with Albert, but never returned. What happened? The police arrested, guess who? Probably the father? No. A random person named Charles Edward Pope on 1930 of September as a suspected uh, suspect in the disappearance of Grace. So they have an arrest, but they have no proof of anything. Well, the estranged wife accused Pope of doing this. And this man, Charles, spent 108 days in jail between his arrest and trial. Eventually, he was found not guilty. He should have been, that's for sure. Yeah, but this is where the story gets interesting. A letter was sent to the mother of Grace Budd. In 1934, an anonymous letter was sent to Grace's parents, which ultimately led the police to Albert. Mrs. Budd was illiterated and could not read the letter herself, so she had her son read it to her. And this is what the letter said. You guys ready? Mm -hmm. Yep. My dear Mrs. Budd, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deck hand on the steamer 
Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was from $1 to $3 a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold to the butchers to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or a girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or a girl would be bought out and just what would you want it cut from it? Oh. A boy or a girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet brought the highest price. John stayed there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven, one eleven, took them to his home, stripped them naked, and tied them in a the closet, then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night, he spanked them, tortured them to make their meat good and tender. First, he killed the 11-year-old boy because he had the fattest ass and, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except head, bones, and guts. Oh. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass, boiled, broiled, fried, stewed. The little boy was next. Went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100 Street. He told me so often how good human flesh was. I made up my mind to taste it. On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street. Brought you pot teas, strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her. On the pretense of taking her to a party, you said, yes, she can go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped off all my clothes. I knew if I did not, I I would get blood. I would get her blood on me. When all was ready, I went to the window and called to her, Grace. Then I hid in the closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her and she said, and she, she would, and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked, how she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death then cut her in small pieces so I can take my meat to my rooms, cook it, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was, roasted in the oven. Oh God! It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not have sex with her, though. I could have. Let me read that again. I did not have sex with her, though. I could have had I wished. She died a virgin. That was the letter he sent to Grace's mother. Well, actually, an anonymous letter was sent to Grace's mother. 
but the details of the letter points out to Albert. That is, see, that's, that is disgusting. That is the thing that was turning my stomach as you were reading it. I, I, I had no words. Like, that's disturbing. Yeah. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, Gabby, what can we say? I mean, that is, what? that is, yeah, it's the most disturbing thing I think we've ever heard in any of our crimes. Yeah, that that's, it's one thing to do the crime. It's another to write the person and tell them exactly and the gratification and all the details involved and in a sickening way. So, I mean, I, I can't say anything more than that, really. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to see that, getting a letter like that, first of all, it's anonymous. He didn't say his name, but he didn't have to because he gave details of what led up. And clearly, she remembered, you know, telling Grace to go with him to the party. Yeah. To see that letter and to know that, dang, I allowed my daughter to go somewhere. And I did not know that that was the last time I was here. I bet you she was, that tortured her. If I was the mother of that child, that would make me go crazy. I would lose it. Yeah, it would be one of those, uh, Gabby would be one of those uh, court, what is it, you know, cotton court type things where they jump the bailiff and, and you know, beat up the person on, on trial or whatever. But she'd come with a hacksaw or something, a knife. I mean, you'd have to at that point. I mean, literally, like, I mean, you have to read that stuff back in court too. So not only are you reading it when you before he's arrested and the police take control of the case, but most likely he's found convicted or or he goes to court, they're going to have to read back exactly what he wrote again and you got to go through it all over again. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's just disgusting. The, oh, the, she probably got mental pictures. In it. Sorry, babe. Oh no, no, she, she, I can't. Yeah, it can't. I can't. It doesn't fit in my head. It doesn't. <laughs> and to uh, go back on my story, I, I miss. I misinterpreted uh, a person. The person he killed, Francis McDowell. That was not the daughter of. Um, that was not the daughter of Grace. I'm sorry. That was a nine year old boy. That was a nice I got him mixed up. Yeah, so okay. I'll get into that story, that part a little bit later. But yeah, Francis McDowell was a nine-year-old boy that he killed three days later after uh, the uh, Grace incident. Jeez. So, so that wasn't that wasn't the father. It was the uh, no, that wasn't the father. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I apologize. Okay. The police investigated the letter. The story concerning Captain Davis and his famine in Hong Kong could not be verified. The part of the letter concerning the murder of Grace, however, was found to be accurate in its description of the kidnapping and subsequent events, although it was impossible to confirm whether or not Albert had actually eaten part of Grace's body. I'm pretty sure he did. I'm quite sure. I mean... Who would doubt it after his disgusting habits? Yeah. I mean, if he's eaten excrement and human waste over the years, I'm pretty sure cannibalism wouldn't be too far off of the radar. Yeah. Well, they know who their guy is, so it shouldn't take them long to capture. Mm-hmm. The letter was the was delivered in an envelope that had a small emblem with the letters 
NYPCBA, representing the New York private Chauffeur Benevolent Association. I got that term twice. (laughs) (laughs) Chauffeur, I'm sorry. A janitor at the company told police that he had taken some of the stationary stationary home but left it at the rooming house of 200 East 52nd Street when he moved out. The landlady of the rooming house that Albert checked out of the room a few days earlier, she said that Albert's son sent him some money and asked him to hold his next check for him. William King was the chief investigator for that case and he waited outside the room until Albert returned. Albert agreed to go to the headquarters with for questioning, then brandished a razor blade. King, King disarmed Albert and took him into the police headquarters. Albert made no attempt to deny the murder of Grace Bud, saying that he meant to go to the house to kill Grace's brother, Edward. Albert said it never even entered his head to rape the girl, but he later claimed to his attorney that while kneeling on Grace's chest and strangling her, he did have two involuntary ejaculations. Oh. Yeah. This information was used at trial to make the claim the kidnapping was sexually motivated, thus avoiding any mention of cannibalism. This guy's sick. That is terrible. Yeah. I thought, you know what? I, I mean, Dahmer was bad, but it wasn't children and the... the ugh. This guy is like another level. It's... Well, yeah, I get you, because he's he's preying on on you know, at that time it's gonna sound bad, but at that time they were viewed as a, a lesser race, African Americans, and then you're also preying on the mentally disabled and the children. So, like the most vulnerable populations at the time, yeah, he's he's not gonna get punished for that because they're not really looking for a child molester slash whatever he's doing to the other communities. Yeah. Jesus. Well, there's more. After his first arrest, other crimes were discovered that involved Albert. During the night of July 14, 1924, nine-year-old Francis Dow was reported missing by his parents. He failed to return home after playing catch with his friends in Port Richmond. That was the neighborhood of Staten Island. Okay. A search was organized, and his body was found hanging by a tree in a wooded area near his home. He had been sexually assaulted and then strangled with his suspenders. According to the autopsy, McDowell had also suffered extensive laceration to his leg and abdomen, and his left hamstring had almost entirely been stripped off its flesh. Ouch! Yeah. Oh, man. Albert refused to claim responsibility for this, although he later stated that he intended to castrate the boy, but fled when he heard someone approaching the area. So he pretty much admitted it. Pretty much admitted The boy friend told the police that he was taken by an elderly man with a gray mustache. A neighbor also told the police that he observed the boy with a similar looking man walking along a grassy path in the nearby woods. 
Francis' mother, Anna McDowell, said that she saw the same man earlier that day, and she told the reporters he came shuffling down the street, mumbling to himself and making queer motion with his hands. I saw his thick gray hair and his droopy gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray. This description resulted in the mysterious stranger becoming, becoming known as the Gray Man. The McDowell's murder remained unsolved until the murder of Grace Bud. When several eyewitnesses among the Staten Island farmer Hans Kill positively identify Albert Fish as the old stranger seen around Port Richmond on the day of McDowell's disappearance. Attorney Thomas J. Welsh announced his intention to seek an indictment against Albert for the boy's murder. At first, Albert denied the charges. It wasn't until March of 1935, after the conclusion of the trial for the Bud murder and his confession to the killing of Billy Gaffney, that Fish Albert confirmed to investigators that he also raped and murdered little McDowell. When the McDowell confession was made public, the New York Daily Mirror wrote the disclosed, solidified, the disclosure solidified Albert's reputation as the most vicious child slayer in criminal history. So he finally did confess after everything came out that he did indeed murder little Francis McDowell. Wow. Gee, so at this point, they probably don't really have a... a a really good number of how many true victims he had. But, I mean, they have well, they some ha- of them. They, at this point, it's confirmed two for sure. That is Francis and Grace. Mm-hmm. And he also mentioned another boy, Billy, Daphne, which I will give into right now because this is also disturbing as well. Another letter was sent to the family of a victim. Damn. Billy Gaffney was the three-year-old, excuse me, on February 11, 1927, three-year-old Billy Beaton and his 12-year-old brother, Billy, were playing in the apartment hallway in Brooklyn with, I'm sorry, the 12-year-old brother was playing with the four-year-old Billy in the apartment in Brooklyn. When the 12-year-old left his apartment, both younger boys disappeared, which was Billy and, um, Billy Beaton and Billy Gaffney. Billy Beaton was three. Billy Gaffney was four. And the 12-year-old was the oldest of Billy Beaton. So when the 12-year-old left the apartment, the three-year-old and the four-year-old, both Billys, both younger boys disappeared. Billy was found later on the roof of the apartment. When asked what happened to Gaffney, Beaton said the boogeyman took him. Gaffney's body was never recovered. Initially, serial killers Peter Kut as Russian, so I'm a butcher it. Peter Kutnuskovich was suspected in the boy's murder. Then Joseph Meehan, a motorman on a Brooklyn trolley, saw a picture of Albert in the newspaper and identified him as the old man when he saw who he saw on February 11, 1927. The old man had been trying to, to quiet a little boy sitting with him on the trolley. The boy was not wearing a jacket, was crying for his mother, and was dragged by the man on the on and off the trolley. Beaton's description of the boogeyman matched Albert. Police matched the description of the child to, Gaff- to Gaffney. Detectives of the Manhattan Missing Persons Bureau were able to establish that Albert was employed 
as a house painter by a Brooklyn real estate company during, 19, during February 1927. On that day of Gaffney's disappearance, he was working at a location a few miles from where the boy was abducted. Yeah. So nobody, nobody on the trolley did anything. You know, no. they, they could have probably saved that kid's life. And so he doesn't even get into like a car or a buggy or anything else like that. Private just dragged him. Just gets on the freaking trolley, drags him on there. Kids throwing a tantrum, and nobody does anything. Nope. Wow. It's the twenties. Now Albert claimed the following in the letter to his attorney. Here's another letter. I brought him to Riker Avenue. Riker Avenue's dump. There is a house that stands alone, not far from where I took him. I took the little boy there, stripped him naked, and tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I picked up out of the dump. Then I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took trolley to 59th Street at 2 a.m. and walked home from there. Next day, about 2 p.m., I took tools, a good heavy cat nine, a cat of nine tails, homemade, short-handled, cut off one of, cut off one of my belts in half, slit these halves in six strips about eight inches. I whipped his bare behind till the blood ran from his legs. <sighs> I cut off his ears, his nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear, gouged out his eyes. He was dead by then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. I picked up four old potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I had, I'm sorry, I had a gripe with me. I put his nose, ears, and a few slices of his belly in my grip. Then I cut him through the middle of his body. Just below his belly button. Then through his legs about two inches. Below his behind. I put this in my grip with a lot of paper. I cut off the head. His feet, his arms, hands, and the legs below the knees. This I put in sacks. Weighed with stones. Tied the ends and threw them into the pools of slimy water. You will see all along the road going to North Beach. Water is three to four feet deep. They sank at once. I came home with my meat. I had the front of his body I liked best. His monkey and peewees had a nice little fat behind to roast in the oven and eat. I made a stew out of his ears, nose, pieces of his face and belly. I put onions, carrots, turnips, celery, salt, and pepper. It was good. Then I split the cheeks of his behind open, cut off his monkey and peewees, and washed them first. I put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and put in the oven. Then I picked four onions, and when meat had roasted about an hour and a half, I poured about a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onion, and put in the onions. At frequent intervals, I pasted his behind with a wooden spoon. 
so the meat would be nice and juicy. In about two hours, it was nice and brown, cooked through. I never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet, fat little butt. I ate every bit of the meat in about four days. His little monkey was as sweet as a nut, but his peewees I could not chew. Threw them in the toilet. And that was the letter he said to his attorneys. Now that's um, deeply disturbing. Deeply, deeply disturbing. I mean, it's... That guy is so nasty. It's insane. I mean, this is, yeah, this is bad. Yeah. This has got to be the worst one, I think, now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's just sick. He's literally, like, setting up people's bodies and, and meat, like, breakfast, just so happy about how he fixed it and how he cooked it and like like it's so savory i mean he definitely had mental problems it almost yeah because i mean it almost sounds like he's giving a review for a restaurant like he's preparing yeah like a like one of their main dishes like oh this is how we prepare it and this is how it's going to taste and you're going to like this and this about it the juicy part of this and i mean that's oh that's god awful that's just insane. Yeah. It's it's definitely sickening. Definitely sickening. Mm-hmm. Um, the little boy's mother, Gaffney's, Gaffney's mother, Elizabeth, she visited um, Albert and Sing Sing, accompanied by the detective King and two other men. She wanted to ask him about her son's death, but Albert refused to speak to her. Albert began to weep and asked to be left alone. After two hours of asking him questions through his lawyers, James Dempsey, Mrs. Gaffney gave up. and She was still unconvinced that, that Albert was her son's killer. What? Yeah. She, she was unconvinced. So she didn't believe his story? I don't think so. And you're okay. So you're saying the body was never found, but if he's describing everything of your three-year-old like that, I would tend to believe him. If the body's never found, oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would, yeah, I would tend to believe him. Yeah, but I guess she still had a ray of hope that he would appear, or maybe she just felt yeah, that nobody could that be sick. You know, what mom wants to picture their little boy? Yeah, that that part that too. Way. That part too. Yeah, that part. She's probably in her mind like, no, this is impossible. Like, no, it can't be. Like, he couldn't have died like that. She don't want to picture that. Yeah, she's praying that he didn't die anywhere close to that or endure the stuff that was described. Man. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into the trial and execution of Mr. Albert. Okay. You pretty much gave it out already. Well, we'll see what happens. Albert's trial for the murder of Grace Butt began on March 11, 1935, in White Plains, New York. Frederick P. Close presented as judge and, and Westchester County Chief Assistant District Attorney Ed Elbert F. Gallagher was prosecuting attorney. Albert's defense counsel was James Dempsey, a former prosecutor and a one-time mayor of 
Peekskill, New York. The trial lasted only 10 days. Albert pleaded insanity and claimed to have heard voices from God telling him to kill children. Do you believe that? Nope. <laughs> Several psychiatrists testified about Albert's sexual fetishes, which included sat, sad, sad, dang, I'm throwing off, sad, sadism, sad. I cannot pronounce it. <laughs> S-A-D-I-S-M. S-A-D-I-S-M. Sadism? Sadism. 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, sadism. Yeah. <laughs> They're basically calling it uh, satanic or satanic. Satanic. Yeah, sa- satanic. Necrophilia, pedophilia, hematolagnia, infibulation. Infibul- Exhibitionist, voyeurism, cannibalism, caprophagia. Basically, he had all kind of fetishes. All of them. That's disgusting. Yeah. Dempsey and his summation noted that Albert was a psychiatric phenomenon and that nowhere in legal or medical records were there evidence another individual who possessed so many sexual abnormalities. So he had all kinds of sexual desires. Wow. The defense chief expert witness was Frederick Worden, a psychiatrist with with the emphasis of child development who conducted psychiatric examinations for the New York criminal courts. And during the two days of the testimony, Worden explained that Albert's obsession with religion and specifically his preoccupation with the biblical story of Abraham and Isaac, Wordham said that Albert believed that similarity sacrificing of a boy would be penance for his own sins and that even if he acts itself, even if the acts itself was wrong, angels would prevent it prevent it to God did not approve. So basically he felt that he was Abraham and sacrificing these kids was like sacrificing Isaac and that he was okay with it, even though it was wrong. The angels would approve it. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Albert attempted to sacrifice once before, but was thwarted when a car drove past. Edward Budd was the next intended victim, but he turned out to be larger than expected to, so he settled with Grace. And although he knew Grace was female, it is believed that Albert perceived her as a boy. Oh. Yeah. Why? She might not have looked, she might not have been developed. But she or didn't he, have boy parts. He might have put it in his mind. Remember, he had mental illnesses, so something must have clicked in his head to say that this is acceptable. Wordham then detailed Albert's cannibalism, which is, in his mind, he associated with com- communion. The last question Dempsey asked Wordham was 15,000 words long, detailed Albert's life, and ended with asking how the doctors considered his mental condition based on his life. Wordham simply answered, he is insane. Gallagher cross-examined Wordham on whether Albert knew the difference between right and wrong. He responded that he did not know, but that 
it was a perverted knowledge based on his opinions of sense, atonement, and religion, and thus was an insane knowledge. The defense called two more psychiatrists to support Wordham's findings. The first of the four rebuttal witnesses was Minas Gregory, the former manager of the Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital, where Albert was treated during the 1930s. He testified that Albert was abnormal but sane. Under cross-examination, Dempsey asked if coprophilia, urophilia, and pedophilia indicated that a sane or insane person. Gregory replied that such a person was not mentally sick and that these were common perversions that were so socially perfected already and that Albert was no different from millions of other people. Some very prominent and successful who suffered from the same perversions. The next witnesses was the resident physician at the, at the tombs, Perry Lichtenstein. Dempsey objected to a doctor with no training in psychiatric test, testifying on the issue of sanity, but Justice Close overruled on the basis that the jury could decide what way to give a person's prison's doctor. When asked whether Albert's causing himself pain indicated a mental condition, Lechenstein replied, that is not misogynism, as he was only punishing himself to get sexual gratification. The next witness was Charles Lambert, and he testified that coprophilia was a common practice and that religious cannibalism may be psychopathic, but was a matter of taste and not evidence of psychosis. So basically, all the ones testifying was basically saying that he knows what he's doing. He ain't got no problem. The last witness was James Vavazor, a repeated Lambert's opinion. Another defense witness was Mary Nicholas, Albert's 17-year-old stepdaughter. She described how Albert taught her and her brothers and sisters several games involving overtones of machazanism and child molestation. Well, there you have it. Yeah, he's not going to win that. Huh? What'd you say, Doc? I say he's not going to win that case with that kind of evidence. Yeah, when you involve the kids and they tell that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and once all those doctors are saying that that's normal behavior for somebody, that's not something that, I mean, it's not normal behavior, but it's something that's not uh, caused by mental illness. Like, they're, yeah. call, they're calling him sane throughout. Yep. So none of the jurors doubted that Albert was insane, but ultimately, as one later explained, they felt he should be executed anyway. They found him to be sane and guilty, and the judge ordered the death sentence. Good. Albert arrived at prison in March 1935 and was executed on January 16, 1936, in the electric chair at Sing Sing. Here's a question, Matt. They should have executed him the way he executed those four kids. Yeah, that that could be a fast... I'm I'm with Gabby. That could be a fast, fast execution. However, let me ask you two guys this. Since he loved pain so much, that last bit of breath or jolt that he got through his body, do you think he enjoyed that? I think so. He probably ejaculated. Oh. I mean, if he strangled somebody and got a premature ejaculation twice, 
I'm quite sure getting electrocuted and you're you getting all that jolts in your body is going to make you. Ooh. Well, yeah, because he likes the pain. Yeah, if he's if he's burning out his butthole, that means if you know if he has a the electrocution, he probably died with a boner. You know, to be honest with you, probably. Ugh. Yeah, he entered the chamber at eleven oh six p.m. and was pronounced dead three minutes later. He was buried in Sing Sing Prison Cemetery. Albert is said to have helped the executioners position the electrodes on his body. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted it. Oh, that's disgusting. Yep. Oh, man. His last words were reportedly... What do you think his last words were? Uh, Jeez, I don't even know, dude. Like, like, give it, give me the strongest amount of voltage. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? I don't know. He said, I don't even know why I'm here. Really? Yep. That was his last words. I don't even know why I'm here. Wow. So either he's trying to play a last second ditch effort to sound like he's has dementia or he's insane, or he's truly that, like, he's that evil to just kind of, because that, maybe that's a joke to him. Mm-hmm. He must feel so good about everything that he did, then he feels like, yeah, that was nothing. Like, I don't even know why I'm here. Yeah. Boy, and you could tell his kids didn't mean nothing to him, because nowhere in the story oh, no. did, you, did you say, hey, you know, I, I want. I don't want my kids to go through this. I'm, I'm going to miss my kids. <laughs> he didn't want them for anything other than to inflict pain on them. And this is like one of the few stories that you know that I could be not the narrator of. That I have literally not much to say. I mean, the stuff that you described is just incredibly horrific. Yeah. Um, it, it's very disturbing. Very disturbing. This story when I when I saw it, I was just like, oof. I wanted to break it down in two parts, but. I just figured just read the whole thing because then it will, it will really capture of how how crazy this man was. Uh, now, according to one witness present, it took two jolts before Albert died, creating the rumor that the apparatus was short-circuited by the needles that Albert inserted into its body. Now, those rumors were later regarded as untrue as Albert reportedly died in the same fashion and time frame as others in the electric chair. At the meeting with the reporters after the execution, Albert's lawyer, James Dempsey, revealed that he was in possession of his client's final statement. This amounted to several pages of handwritten notes that Albert apparently penned in the hours just before to his death. When pressed by the assembled journalist to reveal the document's content, Dempsey refused, stating, I would never show it to anyone. It was the most filthy string of obscenity that I've ever read. Wow. So he he must have wrote some other stuff in there and confessed some other things that nobody would never know to this day. And that is the story of Mr. Albert Fish. I don't have words for this story. I'm still... I'm still like yeah. I can't process everything he said. So, so for sure, he 
there are victims that he know for sure that they killed, which was Francis, Billy, and Grace. But he suspected of murdered five other victims as well. It just hasn't been confirmed. I'm pretty sure it was more than five. I'm with Gabby on that. You don't go that long without no. with just killing one here and one there. He has to. His be... whole life, he's been disgusting. Like, there's no way that in his entire life, there's eight victims. No. Yeah, if he's if he's cannibalizing some of them too, I, I, I'm guessing there's probably over Dahmer numbers. You know. You think so? Yeah. That many? I agree. Yeah, I think so. I think you're looking at least thirty or forty. Mm. I would give him more because in the amount of time that he lived, it wasn't something that he would get here and there. Like that was something he was interested in all the time. Mm-hmm. There's there's one little article article that says it's possible he killed over a hundred. I would agree with that. I could see that. I could see. But that. yeah, suspected is. Eight for sure, nine for sure, suspected, but there's possibly over a hundred victims. Jeez, that what a filthy, filthy man. I mean, there's, I mean, if there is a hell, and if there was a hell, I should say, the, you know how the old saying is, you know, there's a special place for that person in hell. I'm, come on, if there, there has to be if there if there was that case because, dude, this guy. The depraved. This guy was nuts. Yeah, and I apologize for getting some of the story mixed up and mispronouncing words. I get tongue t- tongue tied sometimes, so I don't normally narrate for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. You did a good job. I mean, it's just the fact that you know, it, like you got into some deep stuff. Like, oh man, like the letters. I'm I'm telling you, those are something that. Me and Gabby were just listening. We, we we had no words. I heard her coughing. I don't know if she was gagging or what, but, you know. You had to get up for a second. Let's just put like that. I don't blame it her. Was, it was gross. I don't blame her. Yeah. And you know what? The picture of Grace, she looks like, like Wendy from the hamburger stand. She's a cute little girl. Innocent as can be, huh? Innocent as can be. Yeah, she did not look like a boy. Well, maybe his eyesight yeah. was bad. I don't know. Uh, yeah, unless, like I said, he had mental issues, so he probably set, put it in his head, like, okay, she's a boy. So, but like, it, but it does show if you look it up. If you go to uh, Google and type in Albert Fish and go to Wikipedia, it does show a picture of his pelvis and his penis area with the needles. With the more than two dozen self. Inflicted needles. Jeez. Oh. Nasty. So he just walked around in pain because obviously that's something you could feel as you're walking. Mm-hmm. And, and whereas most people would be like dying of something like that, he's just like kind of grinning at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. who knows what they were doing in that orphanage? <sighs> I don't know. I'm not going to blame it on the orphanage. Because... No, I'm not blaming it on the orphanage. I'm no, just saying who knows the, what they what were I'm doing. What I'm saying is that there would be every single child there then would have turned out the same, doing the same things. Yeah, that's true. True, but maybe some of them came out. like uh, He had that mental illness, so yeah, I think Gabby's right. Whatever it did, it just lit a fire under that. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. But here's a problem with orphanages back then is they wouldn't separate the little ones from the adu- from the big kids. Exactly. So you had them sa- staying in the same dorm, so you'd probably have a 16-year-old abusing a 7-year-old or vice, you know, stuff like that happening all the time. So, uh, like, my mom had stories of it when they – because uh, back in the f- uh, 50s, you know, you can give your kids to an orphanage without, you know – just saying, hey, you know, we're on economic hardships. We we have too many kids. Can you take care of these? They gave my mom and three of her brothers to an orphanage because she had eight. Oh, wow. And my mom had to spend a year in the orphanage under nuns and all that stuff with mixed uh, kids and stuff. And her brothers actually had to take care of her and make sure that she wasn't touched. But one time she said she was about ready to get um, abused by a, by an older kid and her brothers came to the rescue. So... Oh, wow. That kind of stuff happens. And that's the 50s. Dang. So, imagine the 20s. Dang. And that was in Germany, right? No, that was here. That was was in... Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, that was in Los Angeles. Of course, L.A. Yep. That was in L.A., big city orphanage. Wow. Wow. That's well, crazy. Yeah, this was the sickest story I've heard yet. And this is the story of Albert Fish. Once again, you guys, this is an imperfect podcast. We make mistakes. We stumble. Okay? Get it right. <laughs> yeah, some of, the, some of the comments have been very, very abusive <laughs> to us. So Exactly. Some of the comments we get, you guys are stuttering. You guys don't. We're unprofessional podcasters. What do you expect? <laughs> We're trying to work towards that. We, we've got work to do, but we appreciate those that do leave the good comments and the ones that are upbeat and everything. We do like that a lot. Yes. Thank you so this, much. This podcast was started for fun because we all have an interest in true crime. Mm-hmm. Not We're not there at being professional. This is us. This is the real Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby that you're hearing we're not up in that level of editing. And I, honestly, I wouldn't want to change our podcast regardless. It's real. Yeah, it's real. Absolutely. I don't want to go with a freaking script and everything has to be perfect. No, this is us and we have a good time. I mean, the stories sometimes are very grotesque like this one. But we give our opinions and we're real with it. And I like that. It's different. Exactly. Absolutely. Like Gabby said, we don't have a production studio behind us doing like, you know, if you like the dry kind of like 48 hours type stuff where it's just written out, it's basically edited from television straight to a podcast. They have like 50 people working on that podcast. It's just us three. And like she said, we do this for because we're true crime lovers. We want to talk about stories that, you know, fascinated us and that most of the time when we tell it to each other, We've never heard it before. You know, the other two haven't heard it. So you're getting our genuine reactions as well as yours, maybe, if you haven't heard it. So, Exactly. Mm-hmm. But thank you for all of the support. Especially. All the love you guys show us. Mm-hmm. All the downloads. Some you guys have left us in shock at times. So we really appreciate all of that. Especially for those in other countries. It's cool to be discovered in other countries yes. besides the U.S. So we love that. Yeah. It's nice to have. We love you too, USA. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's crazy because we never dreamed of doing this like even like a year or two ago. And then the fact that we just went with it and it's reached to its have the other countries, like they said, it's 
definitely very nice. So I, I, I doubled down on their comments. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. So we will end this show. This was the story Maddie Matt gave for us, Albert Fish. You guys can search that. If you guys want to look at pictures, remember they are graphic. Do not show the little ones. And uh, keep on listening. Thank you. We appreciate all the love. And if you're looking for our, our show or our page, look for us on Facebook, Instagram. Again, on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora. And if you are out of the U.S., Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Yep. And that'll be all for tonight. Thank you. And until next time. Peace. Bye. Toodles. <laughs> Ha <laughs>